0: Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. Together, we are on a journey where we learn by exploring what makes people successful, really what makes leaders great. We'll challenge each other to leave the mediocre and average behind to aim higher. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and host of this podcast. Today, I want to talk about trust, But I want to talk about it first from a completely different angle. I want to talk about the ways you destroy trust, the ways you break trust. And today we have a star-studded panel of experts joining the Aim Higher podcast. We have Bruce Rhodes, who is a mentor of mine. He's been an executive in every major position that I know of, CEO, COO, not a CFO, I don't think, but CTIO. C whatever it is C C-Q-O, I think isn't that one
1: C- not that I know of Chief
0: Questioning Officer Oh there you go So because you ask really insightful questions and uh, we're delighted to have him here as a guest today We have Drew Bordis who is an operations expert who um, really has demonstrated that he is uh, an extraordinary leader <coughs> across. A couple different businesses, but customer service, management operations, operations, you name it. Give it to Drew. He'll put it in a spreadsheet and send it back to you.
2: Do go on. Spreadsheets lo- make the world better.
0: He, he does. He, he does. I, I'm more from the thing where we uh, dream in Word and nightmare in Excel. Right. I'm your opposite. And you're the opposite. So we're glad to have Drew here. And he's also here to talk about himself. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Tammy Spade here. Tammy Spade is an expert in everything from organizational design, development, design in general, building design, redoing buildings, facilities, human resources, leadership teams, communication, and she specializes in helping people deal with me. Does that sound about right? It sounds about right. And she is here uh, as well. So we're glad to talk about trust and what it takes to establish and destroy trust. And of course, all trust questions start with Warren Buffett's quote, which I'm sure we've all memorized because it is always out there when you think about trust. He said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it which I think we have all seen. And today we've seen that happen very quickly on social media. And then I'm surprised at the fact that many people can rebuild their trust today in various ways, and they come back after so much time, usually not 20 years either, so they can reestablish it afterwards. We'd have to ask Warren Buffett that if we could ask him. How long can you uh, can you rebuild that? I guess 20 years to build a reputation, five minutes to ruin it maybe, Less to restore it, I don't know. But I've seen that happen as well. So today we're going to talk about what it takes to destroy trust. I don't know if this is my goal for the year to destroy trust or what. <laughs> but it, it is interesting sometimes to think about things from the contrarian point of view. So I just want to start off with that and ask, what are the ways that leaders destroy trust?
1: I think the list is pretty long. Um, but I think most of them do it inadvertently with teams. Uh, one, of, one of the ways I think that happens most is in improper delegation or micromanaging where you tell somebody to do something and you second-guess everything they do. You ask them repeatedly, have you done this? Have you done that? So it signals you know, lack of trust pretty quickly. Hold, hold on. One. We need to stop for one second because I have to ask Drew. Did you um, – no. No.
0: Uh, i'll ask at the break this feels very personal (laughs) it it does um i think that is a way i think that's one of those subtle ways to destroy trust but i think about some people who've destroyed trust that are much more obvious too right somebody who flat out lies to you right flat out is manipulating you right that just destroys trust from zero to 60 and immediately
1: or doesn't give you the whole story
0: doesn't give you the whole story, which has right. happened, right? Say, here's
1: the problem. You go away. You come back with a solution. You say, oh, you forgot this and this and this. Trust down. Sometimes people deserve right. that trust uh, being destroyed.
0: They, they misrepresent things. You know, another one for me, I am thinking about this company. I ordered something on the internet, and it said it was. I would get a shipping notice the next day. And I didn't. And not doing what you say you're going to do is a hot button for me. To me, it's the foundation of integrity. But I gave them another 24 hours and still nothing. So I wrote in. I said, I didn't get anything. Oh, you'll get it tomorrow. And then the next day came and I didn't get it. And the next day. And a week goes by, right? And I'm a lawyer. I wrote this very scathing letter about doing what you say and integrity and contractual obligations and all of that. And... Then I did get my link back. And I thought, do we really have to go to this level just for you to do what you say you're going to do? My trust in that organization completely destroyed. I will never order a product from them again. And doing what you say you're going to do to me is just a big one, right, of destroying trust.
2: And I think consistency plays into that. And and where we said some people, leaders, you do it inadvertently, I think when when you're inconsistent with Uh, how you deliver, how you show up in meetings, how you, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm, I can be dead on and right. And and you can trust me that this, this is it. And then the next time, no, completely wrong. It just really becomes damaging because then even when someone is right, you, you just don't believe them anymore. You, you, you have to completely double check them and it's, they've, they've lost it with you.
3: Yeah. I think skip what you're talking about is accountability being accountable for what you say you're going to do, whether it's a company, a brand promise. I mean, conversely, I ordered something from a big online retailer, which shall not be mentioned, um, and the item was supposed to arrive on a certain day. But unlike you, I got a notice that said, we're really sorry, it's not going to arrive the day that we said it was going to. It's going to arrive in this time frame, but most items will arrive on the earlier end of the time frame, and it did. And so my trust continues. But for me, probably one of the biggest issues of trust is passive aggressiveness. Um, Someone that you're just not sure, Are, are are, are you supportive of this idea? Are you against this idea? One of our ground rules as an executive team is no pocket vetoes, which is a form of passive aggressiveness. You don't get to not say how you feel in the room and then walk out and you know, pull out the veto from your pocket and lay it down somewhere. Um, I think that's one of the biggest ways that that leaders and teams. The other four uh, leaders I think that might be unintentional is transparency. Sometimes in the absence of communication, um, organizations, teams will make up information, and we don't intend necessarily to not be transparent, but maybe it's not time to share it, or we thought we shared it, we thought we communicated And then people are sort of filling in the gaps. Um, And and so those are probably two ways, passive aggressiveness and really just a lack of transparency or an apparent lack of transparency that that trust gets hit.
1: Another one to build on that is the hidden agenda. If subordinates or team members think the leader has a hidden agenda, that you're really doing this exercise to see how close you can come to the right answer, and I'm not telling you everything, then they're not going to trust the person. So hidden agendas are really deadly, I think, as a behavior.
2: And I think contrary <clears> to the to the Warren Buffett quote, because I think that, you know, there are famous examples of people who instantly publicly lose trust and credibility. But some of these examples that we're talking about happen over a longer period of time, right? And you get example after example after example of passive aggressive, hidden agenda, inconsistency, failing to do what they say they're going to do. And that, I, I feel like that's even harder to recover from because it's a, it's not a one-time mistake. That's a track record.
1: of, to of reputation. This. Yes, you've absolutely. developed a reputation of that. And you've you, earned it. You've earned it. Yeah,
0: yeah. That that becomes very dangerous, Drew. I would agree.
1: There's another one that I see happen a lot of times, and and it's really simple, and it's when someone's presenting or talking, someone else will just multitask. It isn't that they got an important interruption. They just pick up their phone. They look at this, or they look at email. While the person's talking, well, everybody gets an important interruption. But if it happens repeatedly, what they're signaling is they have no confidence in that person. And then their trust is going to go down. The, the, the bottom of this is the trust is building confidence in your organization so that they will do more on their own.
3: And that is such a tough one because it may not be intentional to signal that. But with all of the inputs coming in, you know, right. it, it is important at times to say we're all going to put our phones down. Um, and and really talk to each other and listen to each other that's that's one I wouldn't have thought of
0: no and it's a very difficult one with all the technology coming at yes. you and tweets and this that and the other because the expectations that we've been setting in society is a near instantaneous response rate and if you don't I will have I won't name groups of people but they will get angry at me if I don't have that instantaneous response. And of course, you don't want to signal a lack of respect in one thing, but then you're pulled over here and you feel like, well, I have to answer this and I have to answer that. And so it becomes uh, a very difficult balancing act. I think that's a new one. In I mean, we've always had this in society where you're pulled in different directions, but it's never been like this. And technology has enabled incredible communication, incredible opportunity to connect the world and also this amazing opportunity to break trust because yeah. you're not present.
1: Yeah. Just think about when you're in a meeting and someone's talking and you see another person pick up their phone, open their laptop, do an email. What's the impression you get that that person thinks of the speaker? They don't think much of them.
0: No, it's true. And, <clears throat> and yet it's sometimes, right, I've made that judgment and been wrong. Right, Because I thought, well, that person was just tapping away, and then I found out they had copious notes and gave me the minutes of the meeting and was listening intently, and I thought you were tuned out completely. So I've I've, uh, made that mistake as well. Um, I make a lot of mistakes. That's why I wrote a book about them. (laughs) So what about behaviors that uh, somebody makes that may signal – that there is a trust issue. What behaviors signal that there's a trust issue?
2: Well, I, I think when you've got to be in the room all the time, you can't possibly miss a meeting. You 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 clearly don't trust either your your colleagues or your subordinates and then maybe that's earned, maybe not, but it's a bad sign when when oh no, you can't have that meeting without me on any topic in the world, right? I mean, there's there's always some meetings where yeah, you've got to be there, but when you know there's certain people that Nope, they have to be there. They don't trust for it to work
0: otherwise. That's not a good sign. Micromanagement, I guess, is another one where yeah. all things have to come through me. Right. <laughs> That's a big one.
1: The other one is, is uh, how the leader reacts to mistakes, right? There's one thing to react really strong to the mistake, but, but compounding that to signal lack of trust is, is not to let the person correct it, to say, I'll take care of that. Or I'll have somebody else take care of that. So here's a person who made a mistake. They know they made a mistake. You don't need to tell them. But to not let them correct it really signals lack of confidence and undermines trust.
0: And I guess as the leader, you have to decide,
1: is yeah. that what you want to
0: send? Right. Yeah, you, right. Sometimes right. you may actually exactly. say, I really don't have confidence in you <clears> to fix this. I need someone else to come in. And other times
1: that is deadly to the relationship. But the point is you've got to be conscious of what you're doing.
3: Yeah, I think you're hitting on um, where I thought you might be going is an overreaction to a mistake where there, there's a personalization um, about the mistake and you're attaching you know the person and their worth to whatever the mistake was or the right. decision was. Um, I think that hurts trust because it increases fear and where fear increases, trust is going to decrease naturally. Well, let's talk about trust in terms of a team. What
0: does it look like if you have low trust in a team?
1: I think you have, the first signal is, do the people collaborate much? In other words, do they ever talk outside the team meeting, right? Are they sharing information or is it something where they just show up and they have to go through the formality? If they're not collaborating outside the team meeting, uh, a lot of times they just don't, You know, they're not getting along. They're not trusting each other. So
0: silos definitely, in a different way that Mm -hmm. are are real and lack of real relationship, camaraderie.
2: I think you also see it when you're in that, you know, you're in the meeting and you ask somebody a question and they, instead of answering you, immediately look at their boss, almost like permission or give me a verbal cue of should I answer yes or should I answer no. That's That's bad, right? People should be able to just speak their mind.
0: So being open, honest, Being open honest, not fearing that you're going to give the wrong answer. Yeah, I've seen that. Now that you're saying that, I've seen an example where the whole room would turn to the person Absolutely. and look. And it, it is a toxic environment. And it does signal, I don't trust or I don't even trust myself to answer right. this because who knows what – I may say and whether or not And that's I don't right want to pay the
2: penalty for saying the wrong thing inadvertently. It's, it's just a bad situation.
3: Yeah, indicative of fear there. Right. I think the other, um, it, it seems odd, but the willingness to challenge each other, I think, is an indicator of high trust. Yes. And when people aren't willing to challenge each other openly and really put tougher issues on the table, it's, it's an indication that trust can be improved.
1: There's also in every team is on purpose usually a mix of skills. And so when you find a team that's unwilling to defer to the person who has the expertise on a particular matter and they're all jumping in and helping out and giving their own opinion, it kind of says they really don't trust the person who's supposed to have the expertise to help them. It's one thing to ask questions, but it's another thing to take over for them. So when you see a team where they're actually not deferring to other people that have more expertise, it kind of shows that they don't have confidence in them. How about trust in brands? How do brands break trust?
3: I think they don't – if there's a brand promise, sometimes it's um, explicit, sometimes it's implied, when they don't live up to that promise, whatever that promise is. If it's 24-hour delivery, if it's, you know, what, whatever the situation is. Um, when, when they, In your case, you mentioned an experience with a provider. Um,
0: I didn't go into all the gory details. Yes, thank that you. Oh, thank you, <laughs>
3: thank you. We'll we'll catch that in the next episode, I'm sure. Um, but but just delivering, doing what you say you're going to do is is definitely um, important in the brand promise. Um, I think quality is is another important part of a brand promise. You know, people have brands, teams have brands, companies have brands. Whether we um, extol them, whether we communicate them. They're still there, and it's important to know what they are. Companies tend to be more explicit about their brand, what they hope to be or, or what they, they believe they are. Teams and people sometimes are not, and so it's interesting to just ask, what's our brand? Companies should do that too. The
1: other, the other thing that um, can help break a brand trust is to take a, what, what, the, what the person perceives as an unfair pricing action. I remember in the depths of the of the recession in 2008 a certain provider tried to raise my price by 50% and I have never used them again because it violated what I thought was a sense of fairness in pricing not that they didn't couldn't raise their price it was just that they went way outside the bounds
2: at that specific time too yeah at that yeah. specific time yeah and, so, you know, and, and with companies, I mean, companies are made of people, right? And so that's, that's where this can get really complicated from a corporate perspective because every single person in your organization has the opportunity to build that trust or lose that trust, interaction by interaction by interaction. And you see the companies that just are amazing at it because everyone you talk to, everyone knows, oh, well, this is our customer experience. This is, and, and when you see a company like that, they typically have high trust and are, and are delivering well.
0: Well, that's a great lead into this question about rebuilding trust. I want to talk about how how do you rebuild trust that's lost, whether you're a company or whether you're a leader? Are there ways to rebuild trust? I'm thinking about two experiences that I had at two different restaurants locally. One, I actually ate a steak and got food poisoning, violently ill from the restaurant, called them up. My assistant called them up and said, my boss got food poisoning. and just want to alert you, et cetera. Oh, nobody else did. Told us about that. And that was it. No, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope he's okay. Not a note. Not a phone call. Not here's a gift certificate for a future dinner or comp for something. Nothing. Zero. They've lost my trust. Another restaurant, I complained about something and just said, you know, I want you to do better because you're one of my favorite restaurants. And they went overboard. Here's a gift card. We're so sorry. The manager came out. How can we improve this? You're you such a loyal customer of ours. I, I went to both of these restaurants equally. And one actually had an extreme problem. One had a minor problem. And yet they reacted completely opposite as if the minor problem was a major problem and the major problem was a minor problem. And it impacted my thinking. And I was thinking about brands. I was thinking about restaurants. But I was thinking about people too and it's the same thing because we all make mistakes and if a leader over here makes a makes a mistake says something and has an outsized reaction to it like that restaurant or then the leader who deeply cares and says i did this i, I didn't intend i think i damaged our relationship i i'm sorry for this i want to fix this and and works on it you, you know that same kind of response so how do either brands, or people rebuild trust that's lost?
1: I think leaders, the first thing to do is to acknowledge it. Acknowledge that they have broken a trust or they've done something to damage it. Truly acknowledge it. And then secondly, um, tell the people that the behavior is going to change. But the third thing is I think you have to give people, if it's a team member or whatever, the license to tell you if you are slipping off the rail, so to speak, if you're going to do it again. So acknowledge it, give people and give people the, the and with the promise not to do it again or change the behavior, really change it. Stop looking at me like that. And then <laughs> and then and then give give the team members a license to, to call you out yeah. if it happens again. I mean these sometimes are so inadvertent behaviors that it sort of takes multiple times for you to get the get the picture.
2: And I think you've got to have some mature leadership. <clears throat> For that to work, right, for to be to be able to be open to that level of dialogue, right? It, it's a um, you've got to be able to say, "Oh, I did something inadvertently, or I did that to you. I made you feel that way. That wasn't my intention," or vice versa. Those are great conversations to have if you can do it.
1: But it, but it shows vulnerability, shows transparency, and it shows your willingness to work hard to get the trust back.
3: Yeah, for for me. Um... And really, I think for many people, it's persistence and time. Um, it's important to communicate. It's important to apologize. Absolutely. Um, and often we have more loyalty to those brands or those people who have been authentic with us and said, man, I, I really messed up here. Please forgive me. I'm going to try and do better. Um, but, but there's also a time element. If they say that and then the next time you go, there's an issue, and the next time you go, there's an issue – the words are empty words, so I think actions and words have to flow together. Where, where trust is high, we extend a lot of grace, and where trust is low, we judge. You know, we're, we're almost looking for the confirmation, so right. so when it's high and, and the right thing is done, we extend grace to people and to companies, but where it's low and it continues to be low, I think we're harsh. You know, we're looking for the judgment because we're looking for the confirmation that this company, this provider... This restaurant, this person can't be can't be trusted.
0: It's it's really true, and I've seen um, when people do rebuild this. There's a study I read that said customers who have a complaint that is fixed and fixed well are actually more loyal to that brand than if they never had had an issue in the first place. Absolutely, it's amazing. Yes, right, and I know that is my experience as well because. It is how you responded. And I think underneath of trust is really caring. You know, do you really care about me? And in my two restaurant examples, it's, it's like rich dad, poor dad, rich restaurant, poor restaurant. You have one who si- signaled, I really don't care. Don't care about you. Don't care that you got sick here. Or don't care about you at all. And the other with a minor issues, like I really care about you and I value the input you're giving to my business to make me better, and don't we want to do something? I mean, trust. If if we care, if you know that person cares about you, you're gonna overlook these mistakes. We all make them, right? Communication mistakes. I leaders are always on stage. People say, and yet leaders are people. They have real days. They have things that you don't know about. They have stresses. They have sicknesses. They have. Um, Whatever family issues, they have dysfunctions, they have... Am I giving a list of my own? (laughs) Right? People have real problems. And so even though you're a leader, you actually are a person. And yet underneath of that trust, I think, is just do you really care? And if somebody really cares for you, you know it. I see that as a hallmark of teams that have high trust, is they actually care about each other. It's not just oh, we're a business team and I I have trust that you're going to do marketing well and you're going to do technology very well and you're going to do operations very well. But I actually care about you as a person. Like, I want to hang out with you. I really care about your family and your well-being. Now I'm going to have much higher trust. Right,
2: and what a great team that is to be a part of, you know, just in every facet of your life.
0: Yeah, it changes everything. And even really different people who are just experiencing that thrown into a team situation can end up, Having just deeper loyalty, deeper trust in the organization, stay longer, less turnover. You you don't want to let the team down. I see higher performance because you don't want to let the other person down. And that, to me, is a hallmark of a high-trust team.
3: Well, we spend so much time in the business environment. I mean, how much more pleasurable is it to be part of a team with high trust? And I think it does build. You know, there are those building blocks over time, but when you have a team of high trust that doesn't always agree, but really enjoys has each other's back, um, views themselves as you know sort of a pseudo family, um, there are aspects of that. How much more enjoyable that is with with all the time we spend with each other?
0: And I think that's the hallmark. If you look at a trusted family, if you look at a trusted team, another one of those things would be, uh, wouldn't you agree it's that you know, you're just talking about having your back? That there's a family-first environment. There's a team-first environment. There's a, Let's assume the best. So if somebody comes along and says, you know, Tammy really offended me because she said this, this, and this, and that really upset me because she's doing this, that, and the other. I say, well, of course, that's Tammy. That's what she does. She's just no. <laughs> I would say, wait a minute. That is not the Tammy that I know. Right. right? That is not my experience with... Tammy, I think that we need to talk about this and, and maybe we approach her and uh, seek her out because I think that you may have misinterpreted that text or that email. You might have read tone into it.
3: Somebody cut her off in
0: traffic. <laughs> <laughs> well, beware of Tammy in traffic because I've seen her. I followed you in traffic. It is one dangerous situation. It's
3: sort of the place I let that you know race car driver out.
0: This is a notice to all the Columbus police.
3: (laughs) Watch Tammy on the road.
0: You just put a target on
3: yourself. I guess so. I don't
2: know. Change your vehicle. get a rental car. Raining us back in. Nothing corners like a rental. You know, it also, it's the opposite of that got to be in the meeting syndrome, where when you do have a team like that, that you trust each other, and and then you can say, hey, you know what? I've got to be over here and do this. If something comes up that I wish I knew about or that, oh, I really need to weigh in on, I trust my colleagues. I trust my team to be able to answer that, bring me in later.
0: It just makes the whole organization work more efficiently. And, and also, if the person's not in the room, sometimes you'll say, Well, you know, Bruce isn't in the room, but I think we need to run this. Exactly. Exactly. Because he would bring some valuable uh, ads to yes. this. So that is absolutely true. Well, this is a trusted podcast panel, and we want to thank you for talking about trust. And if you ever wondered how to destroy trust, we hope we gave you a roadmap so that you can destroy trust in your lives (laughs) and in the business world and in your organizations. And hopefully some of you don't want to destroy trust, but you want to build it and that you can learn from the uh, contrarian view. So thank you all, and we wish you the best in aiming higher.
3: Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.